Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show where old, jaded, cranky, and kid get off my lawn is status quo. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on Tuesday, the 13th. Wonder if that's a scary day. Um, anyway, on uh, tonight's show, hey, we're gonna, you know, continuing the saga of uh, the disappearing McClellan. I've got the beginning of a taste test sampling of four possible replacements for that basic Red Virginia, and then my guest is uh, Tom, the uh, Northwest pipe smoker, and I uh, got a lot of a lot of fun conversations with him. And uh, you know we kind of get into uh, get into a little bit of the custom built pipe story. So you got that music, mailbag, and a follow up rant. All that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Um, just a reminder of a couple of things. One, uh, Marty Pulvers is still uh, collecting stuff to help out uh, Rolando Nagoida. And uh, you know whatever you can, whatever you can do, reach out to Marty through his uh, website or through email. It's uh, uh, Pulver's Prior Briars, and uh, we're gonna, you know, in in the next couple of weeks, we'll kick off our own JDRF auctions, the annual again. So more on that in the upcoming weeks. But talking about the upcoming weeks, uh, the next two weeks of shows will be 100% uh, early pre-recorded because on Saturday I'm uh, leaving again for another trip, and I'm happily <laughs> happily going on this trip too. Um, anyway, uh, more on that. I get a chance to go back to Disneyland Paris and really dig into that and the city of Paris. So, looking forward to that. Uh, but we will have uh, we'll have brand new shows for you. They'll just all be way pre-recorded before I leave. And watch my uh, Facebook page. I'll post as many pictures as I can of me and my pipe and out traveling around. So if you're not already following me on Facebook and you're on Facebook, go right ahead. Brian Levine on Facebook or while you're there, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. All right, we are going to do this in two parts. Why? Well, because I've got four different blends to deal with. Yeah, four to get through. So, as many of you know, McClellan is, uh, has ceased production, and even uh, you know, like two months or three months ago, we heard that there was a uh, shortage on red on the red Virginia that they like and it doesn't doesn't affect any other manufacturers it just affects them so with McClellan's 5100 the red cake going away I started the process of whittling down to what I thought were the four best options to replace McClellan's 5100 now, when you look at 5100, it tends to be a smaller cut. It tends to have a lot of uh, a lot of red, but a little bit of orange and a little bit of darker Virginias in it. And when you open it up, it's not that 
overwhelming uh, ketchup taste, and I'm going to give it a reminder sniff right now. But it does have a little bit of that hint of that uh, ketchup or uh, vinegar smell to it. It also tends to be a little bit of a smaller cut. So, you know, when I used to smoke it, occasionally I was always a little careful with it. Uh, you had, had to be careful packing it because it wasn't a real long ribbon cut. Um, and, and if you packed it too tight, <laughs> you'd know it. All right, so the two, the, the two different companies. So I went through everything that was available in bulk only. That's all I cared about was bulk because you're trying to replace a bulk tobacco. I'm not going to talk about anything that's available in a tin. Uh, I went through a lot of the European stuff, especially from Stokeby and uh, anything, yeah, you know, anything available in bulk. And there's just nothing there that's got that same stylistic ribbon cut or loose cut and has that predominantly sugary red Virginia. Uh, what I did find was uh, some of the stuff made here. And I went through Lane Limited's catalog, and there just wasn't anything that really matched up. So I ended up with four blends, two from Cornell and & Deal and two from Sutliff. The Sutliff blends are a, uh, are a bulk called Sutliff Red Ribbon. And the other one is a relatively newer or lesser known one called 515RC-1. Um, when you look at the red ribbon, it although it says red ribbon, it's a little shorter than what I would consider to be a ribbon cut. Uh, it's got a little bit more of the lighter colored tobaccos in it, a little uh, you know less of the uh, less of the darker reds and blacks, and it's more in the orange or lemon, and then some red and then some black. And when you look at the uh, 515RC, it seems to be, uh, uh, in comparison, it seems to be a little bit darker and it seems to be a little bit longer cut. Now, that could just be the little sample or the, you know, the little ounce and a half that I got, but that's what it seems to be. And I'm just going off of appearance now. Uh, from Cornell and Deal, I got a Red Virginia Ribbon which compared to the McClellan 5100, again, looks a little bit, uh, it's, it's a brighter color. It's not quite as dark, but the cut looks about the same as McClellan's 5100. So I was kind of intrigued by that, but again, it's more on the orange or light red and less on the dark side. And then the other one that I got is a Red Virginia Cavendish from Cornell and & Deal. And this looks like it's mostly, again, it's a Cavendish Virginia. So it's going to be on the darker side. Uh, I found the cut, to, the cut just looks a lot smaller to me than what McClellan was doing. Um, but again, it looks like it's more of the dark stuff. Uh, so those are the four that I've got to compare. And again, I've just started the, um, I've started the process of smoking through them. And I'm not nearly ready to talk about their smoking quality or, you know, what they taste like yet. But, uh, you know, again, give me, give me some time and I'll get through those. Maybe it'll be one of the shows uh, pre-recorded while I'm gone. But let's just go through them and I want to give them the sniff test and the feel test. So that's when I'm going to take the, take the actual product, open it up. 
And the first one is the uh, Sutliff 515RC, or uh, let me make sure that that's the actual name of it. Yeah, 515RC-1. And on the on the sniff test, you know, it it smells like it's got a, a little bit of, a, of that uh, sugary, ketchup-y kind of smell, but it's just not quite the same. And on the touch test and the feel of it, I can tell you right now that it's wetter than what McClellan would normally produce, and it's a little slicker than what McClellan would produce. So that, to me, indicates a little bit more uh, use of PG or glycerin on it. Um, it's not hosed down, uh, but I'm just saying it, it's just a little slicker, so... And the way I'm doing this is just by pinching it in my fingers and I can feel the residue left on my fingers. My fingers feel kind of you know, like like a little bit of a moisturizer on them. But again, the smell, yeah, it, it's got a hint of it right there. Um, the next one, the Sutliff Red Ribbon. Again, this one's the, uh, the dark, the, the, the little bit longer cut of the two. On the smell, there's really not not a real overwhelming smell compared to the 515RC. Uh, you know, it's got that Virginia. It's got a little bit of that uh, hay, grassy kind of feel to it or, t or smell to it. And then on the touch test, it's not quite as, uh, not quite as slick or quite as moist as the, uh, as the 515, but... Yeah, you know, again, it just doesn't doesn't have that sweetness to it yet. Over on to Cornell and Deal with the Red Virginia Ribbon, uh, and again, these were I just I just bought all these about uh, a month ago, month and a half ago. Uh, the first thing I noticed with Cornell and Deal is it's got the, the it's got their standard lower moisture content, so it's dramatically in comparison to the Sutliff products dramatically less moist um and on the smell test you know i'm 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 picking up a little bit of that uh that red virginia sugariness uh not an overwhelming hit of uh not an overwhelming hit of the uh, of the vinegar behind it but it's got a hint of it there and then the red virginia cavendish which is going to be the most interesting to smoke because this cut is fairly small uh, on the sniff test, again, and that that's less of the ketchup sweetness and more of just kind of a Cavendish sweetness to it. Uh, and the moisture is a little, it feels a little higher than the Red Virginia Ribbon to me, and that's probably from the Cavendish process. Um, neither of the Cornell and Deal ones have that heavy glycerin feel to them. Uh, both of them, I would expect, are going to be... Uh, ready to smoke and are going to smoke a little faster than the uh, uh, than the uh, Sutliff product. So I'm going to have to be careful with those when I pack them. Um, I'm not going to screw around with them or try to tweak them right now. I'm just going to smoke them in a couple of different size pipes, a couple of different loading techniques just to try to get the maximum out of them the way they are. So there's the beginning of it. And um, yeah, I've already kind of started working my way through it, and my tongue's a little angry at me for doing that, but um, 
Hey, there you go. All right, in just a minute, my conversation with Tom, the Northwest pipe smoker. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, joining us from almost as far, well, yeah, you are, you're as far away on the, in the lower 48 as possible without leaving the, uh, without leaving the continent or uh, jumping a little bit of Canada, but the, uh, the one and only Northwest pipe smoker who, uh, Tom, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to have you because I've watched a lot of your videos and Man, I'll I'll tell you what a lot of fun. So, uh, Tom, the Northwest pipe smoker, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, we've tried to get this thing together for a while, and uh, and I realized this morning as I was getting ready here, this is like a little a real event for me. So, so I appreciate you asking, Brian. That's really nice of you. Oh, my pleasure. Um, all right. So for those that uh, for those that aren't familiar with YouTube, the channel is NW Pipe Smoker, and you just go on YouTube and search it and find it. Uh, but let's start off with kind of like your uh, your origin your origin story. And when did uh, when did pipe smoking first come into your uh, into your life? Uh, well, let's see. You know, I'm I'm thinking. I don't have an exact date, but uh, I have a couple of really good friends. Some of my very best friends in the whole world are uh, about an hour away from me. And one of them is a pipe smoker. And so, uh, you know, he he love, loves big pipes, you know, big ardors. And, uh, and so I thought, you know, after a while... <sighs> I should try that. I was never a smoker. My whole family, my whole extended family were all smokers, you know, <laughs> trying to quit, you know, the, the routine. But I never smoked. Um, I was the lone holdout. So it was ironic. Yeah. that uh, like, what, 10 years ago or something, um, I decided to smoke. And so it really surprised everybody. Um, I was never an evangelist about not smoking, but, uh, yeah. And, and as we all know, pipe smoking is different than cigarettes or even cigars, although it's more akin to cigars. And I did try a few cigars at first and, uh, some of those were a little heavy duty, uh, non smoker, you know, um, but pipes just have this great extra dimensions in the tobacco side in the pipe side um historically you know i mean there's just so much richness about pipes 
uh, that I was, I was drawn into that as much as anything. But I always said, if I ever get addicted to nicotine, I'm out. Um, I might still collect pipes because I really love that side of it. But uh, if I was addicted, I would stop smoking. And so uh, pipes are so great that you can just put it down for a week or two and judge your level of like craziness <laughs> in, <laughs> in not smoking, you know? So, um, so I, I, and I'm not a very addictive person anyway. I have some friends who are, so I have some sense of what that's like. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, long story, but, uh, say 10 years ago or so. Yeah. Do you remember the first pipes and tobaccos that you got? Um, yeah. Um, I try my my uh, friend Tom, who kind of got me started on all this, is a non-aromatic smoker. So uh, he likes English mixtures and so forth. So that was good for me because you know some of those, especially uh, guys, often start with like Captain Black and you know the really cheap uh, drugstore blends. You know now gas station blends, I guess. Um, and I did that too. And then there was a guy on eBay back in the day when eBay, you could see who was bidding on the same item you were. They have yeah. since changed that yeah. for good reason. But, but back in the day, you could see, you know, that this person was bidding on you on this item. Oh, and they bid against me on that one and that one and that one. So <clears throat> this uh, retired professor from somewhere in Missouri uh, was bidding on custom builds. I had taken a real light to custom built pipes. There was just something about the rustication, the size, the patina of history with these pipes. So I was bidding on them on eBay and I'm kind of a bottom feeder, you know, so if it was like over 10 bucks, I'm out, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. They've, they've gone up in price, but this, this professor actually emailed me. And he said, give me a call. And so this is, of course, why eBay stopped uh, <laughs> yeah. allowing you the other people, you know. He said, you know, there are a couple of pipes I'm really interested in, and maybe we can work something out where, um, you know, you bid on some, I bid on some. So it was this collusion that, of course, <laughs> can't do anymore, which is good. But he was... Uh, a custom built and similar style pipe collector. He had over 700 custom builds. Wow. I mean, my gosh. And I never did see a picture of his collection. I, I would have liked to, he was a very colorful character. Um, he left, he had big freezers out on his back porch, big chest freezers that he would uh, leave food out for people. He was kind of a little food bank huh. there little town in Missouri, a really amazing guy. I forget his name. Um, but he said, Oh, there's this pipe tobacco. I want you to try. I'm going to send you a sample. And he sent me a BP jum, which is uh, a stubby little thick pipe with rustication, virtually identical to a custom built. We still don't know that much about it because Bill Unger in his Bible, you know, the custom built, uh, What's the rest of the title? Personal as a thumbprint or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
the Bible of custom-built pipes out of print, sadly. And Bill is sadly gone as well. Um, he had a page on jums, but he, you know, he he never found out too much about them either. But uh, anyway, this professor sent me a jum and a baggie of plum pudding, MacBaron plum. I think it was plum pudding. Yeah. Some crazy, glompy, aromatic <laughs> that smokes so hot and so wet. And after I smoked that, a bowl of that, I said, I don't think this hobby is right for me. I, <laughs> I can't do this. You know? I mean, it was just the worst experience. My tongue was bitten for days. And so um, I went back to Tom and I said, Oh, this is not fun at all. And he said, Oh, come on, just stick with some. I'll give you some uh, non aromatics, some light Englishes. We'll smoke together and we'll load a pipe together. So he really mentored me. And so, uh, honestly, I have. I have been with uh, non-aromatics ever since, and I, I like to try everything at some point or another. And so I've um, I've been given a lot of aromatics, um, and I'll try them. But God, they just I don't really get it, except for the room note. Um, <laughs> they just don't have much flavor for me. You know, everybody's taste buds are totally different. So um, maybe I'm just not very sensitive to those flavors that might appear in an aromatic pipe for some people but all i all i taste is is kind of smoky ashy sort of bitter nothingness that's very wet and um gives me a nicotine hit like no other because they're you know filled with these cheap burleys that don't have a lot of flavor on their own you know there's the whole reason why aromatics are the way they are and it's just not my thing so uh, so I've, I've really stuck with non-aromatics and the pure, the purer, the better, you know, that idea that the British had of, uh, non-adulterated tobacco, uh, really appeals to me, but we all have to make our own choices. And luckily there are thousands of choices in pipe tobacco, you know, so everybody can try what and enjoy whatever they like, you know, so. Let, let's talk about you know you, you talk about tobacco because you, you spend a lot of time on your youtube channel talking about the tobacco or the pipe that you're smoking uh and then you and then you go into whatever topic is on your mind but i mean you've been on youtube now for just over eight years you've got i don't know i think i counted about 450 460 videos um <laughs> What in what inspired you to start the YouTube channel? <laughs> well, you know, I'm up here kind of in the woods uh, outside of Seattle, and uh, I didn't have anybody to smoke with, you know, so um, except my friends an hour away. And then I've got a really good friend up in Port Townsend also uh, who I'll smoke with. We get together about once a month and hang out for an evening and smoke a few bowls and just talk about everything and nothing. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I just wasn't smoking at all. And so I thought, wow, this, uh, this, I made a video, I think, as I remember, and I took it down. It was just a horrible little video, but I, I made it for a friend of mine to show him that I was smoking a pipe. 
And it felt like I was smoking with somebody else. It was kind of this remarkable, uh, I mean, how can you fool yourself that way? But, and it, it still seems kind of crazy to me, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it felt like I was having, I was sharing a pipe smoke with somebody else. And so that is the motivation that is totally my motivation for making these videos. I mean, they're not, they're not tobacco reviews at all. You know, I'll say, well, I'm smoking like right now I'm smoking some Kamoy's, uh, cask number one, the double English that, uh, Doug Owen over in Paulsbo at the cargo hold shop had on his discard shelf, you know, it was an opened hundred gram tin for like 10 bucks. And I said, Doug, he said, yeah, take it. So, um, yeah, so I'm smoking that, and so I'll mention what I'm smoking, and I may say, "Well, it's nice." Most tobaccos to me are not exceptional. They're 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 good. You know, it's like having a steak in a restaurant. You know, you uh, they're good, but rarely is it this transcendental experience. You know, so um, and that's about as far as I go. And then I'll say what pipe I'm smoking, and then I'm, I'm done with that. And then I'm I'm. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just talking just the way you do when you share a pipe with somebody, you know, it's kind of like this give and take little conversation. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what it is for me. It's a way to share a pipe with somebody else. And I, you know, it may be a lot of people. I don't really think about that. It's just, um, it puts my brain in a, in the mode, a social mode. And that's, that's why I do it. Otherwise, I I would not smoke except when I got together with my friends who do smoke, which is maybe once every couple weeks or three weeks, you know. So um, so this just allows me to have a pipe smoke more regularly. <laughs> that's a uh, that, that, that's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, YouTube, uh, deep thoughts and I, I want to get into custom build a little deeper, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Tom, the Northwest pipe smoker, and so the the other thing that I, Tom, that I really like about your videos is, like you said, you, yeah, you know, it it's kind of if you listen to them all in a row, or even if you jump around, it kind of reminds me of 
you just picked up, you know, you, you, you just saw a friend again and you picked up on a conversation that you were having two months ago or a month ago. Um, <laughs> but some of your, uh, yeah, some of your topics almost get into philosophy and, yeah, and life coaching. I don't, do you have any training in, uh, in, in, in any of this or is this just you being you? Yeah, it's just me being me. I taught skiing for a year at Breckenridge, and that was a lot of fun, you know? I mean, it was like bringing uh, folks up from not being able to even stand up on a flat ski slope, you know, to actually having fun, yipping and yahooing as they came down the hill because they were having so much fun by the end of the morning. You know, that's very, uh, that is really fun for me. I maybe should have been a teacher, my mom was a teacher and um yeah i mean that that could have been my missed calling you know we all have that um but uh no i don't have any training my goodness no no it's just it's just totally me being me <laughs> well i i can tell you right now you're teaching a lot of people out on youtube because you've got a couple of videos that have over 50,000 views you've got uh, over 7,000 subscribers so you've probably got a bigger classroom now than you would have if you had just sat in a schoolroom all day <laughs> that is so funny um yeah and I never look back you know uh you you must have that number wrong on the number of hits on those videos because i never go back and watch them i mean i never go back and visit them at all because it has accomplished my mission to share a smoke and so um just like you don't go back and revisit conversations you may have a, a future conversation with these same people and maybe pick up where you left off but uh you know, I, I'm not doing this for numbers of hits or numbers of subscribers. In fact, that's totally inconsequential to me. You know, yeah. um, my my goal, my weird little goal here is just to be able to share a pipe smoke. And so I fool my brain into uh, doing that every time I make a video. And so so once I put that video up there and totally minimal post-production, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> If the cat is annoying, I may have to put her in the house or something, and so I'll I'll stop the video and and restart it. But that's it, you know. I may trim off five seconds to get started at the front, five seconds to end it at the back, and that's it. I mean, that is it. I just this is not about making videos; it's about sharing a pipe smoke. So. Um, so, uh, you know, I never have gone back and looked at the number of hits on videos. I just have never done that. Oh, my God. I can't believe. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. So um... then I, I won't I won't ask you what some of your favorite videos were to do because you don't go back and you don't care. Once they're done, they're done. Uh... Right. I've, I've done some pipe uh, prep prepping really gnarly estate pipes, you know? Um, and I'm kind of a minimalist that way too, but um, I made a few videos on how I do it. And so um, when somebody says, well, what about those, those rubber bits you put on the pipes? You know, it's like, oh, well, just go and watch this video. So I'll go back and I'll grab the URL for that video and then paste it in and, and say, go ahead and watch this if you want to. But I mean, that's how I do it. But, uh, 
that's the only reason I ever go back. <laughs> have there have there been any comments on your videos that have surprised you? Um, well, sometimes the heartfeltness um, uh, really touches me. I, I don't, and the internationalness of it. You know, I feel like I am just such a uh, typically boring American. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't have a lot of, uh, snappy international pizzazz or anything that would, um, appeal to, uh, more sophisticated folks around the world or whatever, you know, I mean, I just, I just don't feel like I have that stuff. So, um, so when somebody from there responds and, you know, uh, enjoys a video, it's like, wow, you really watched that. That's, that surprised <laughs> me. Um, and then the heartfelt nature is uh yeah that really pleases me because that's kind of where i'm coming from making these videos i mean i'm um i'm transparent you know whatever wherever i'm at that's where i'm at and i'm not putting on a show i'm not producing it i'm not you know there's no darn it maybe <laughs> there's yeah. no forethought to the <laughs> You know what I mean? I'll, my big fourth, gee, what do I feel like smoking today? And what type do I feel like smoking? And that is it, you know, unless I'm somewhere kind of fun, like on a motorcycle trip uh, over in eastern Washington, that is like um, an extension of the Nevada desert up there in these scab lands. And it's just beautiful over there. So it's kind of like I want to share that, you know, so. Um, oftentimes I'll make a video on a motorcycle trip or on a road trip or something. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like sharing with them. So when people share back what they're feeling, it's like, wow. Um, yeah. Awesome. So, um, yeah, it makes me feel good. It makes, makes me feel like we've connected, you know, and that's the goal here is I'm, I'm just like we do with any pipe smoke. Although I guess there are some guys who just uh, sit there and smoke, and um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right $5 word, where you just sort of postulate on large topics, you know. But That's certainly not me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not me either. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, this is, this is truly having a pipe smoke with some friends out there. So, yeah, and then yeah, there's been before we get into the custom builds. There's been some of your videos where you just kind of you you pull off to the side of the road in a pretty spot, or you're out hiking and you stop and you pop. I guess you pop your phone up and record the video, and it's kind of like you just stopped with some friends on the on the trail and had a smoke for a few minutes and talked about it. Right. That's it. That's it right there. And usually it isn't my phone. I'm kind of a phone dweeb, you know, <laughs> meaning I'm a little uh, retarded with the phone. I use it a lot. I use it at work uh, for mapping, actually. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a GIS manager. Uh, so uh, mapping is, you know, every, every municipality has GIS. It's just yeah. sort of a database that feeds into a map. And so I've been doing that for 25 years and, uh, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty commonplace, sensible guy. Um, what the cameras I've used are just these little point and $70 point and shoot cameras, you know? So it's, it's absolutely no 
big equipment or anything like that, you know. <laughs> you don't have seven guys that all say CNN on there with a production oh, crew following oh, yeah. you. And, you know, my pipes are kind of like that, too. I love estate pipes. Um, talking about custom belts here. Um, yeah. So now I'm smoking uh, a large square shanked billiard with the custom built, custom dash built script. So it's from that 1938 to 46 era um, and probably considered a huge pipe at the time. You know, it's like two and a quarter inches tall and has a one inch smoke chamber and uh, diameter. And it's, it's just a nice big pipe and it smokes great. Um, I custom built, I don't know quite what it was, um, but I just took this really deep felt liking to custom belts right from the beginning. And they were underappreciated, you know, oftentimes they were sold on eBay as these, uh, you know, vintage, dirty, schmutzy, uh, <laughs> burned up pipes, you know. Um, but honestly, I just have a real affection for them. I am no expert, though. Bill Unger is the expert. You know, I think people think uh, that I am, there's a rabbi in New York, great guy, who collects these and is much more seriously a collector of them. Um, I just collect them because I like them. I don't, I don't collect pipes to sit on a shelf. I collect pipes to smoke. So uh, every pipe I've ever acquired or has been given to me, I make sure I smoke it. Um, so these aren't uh, perched on a shelf just for the looks. In fact, my shelves need to be kind of straightened <laughs> up. It almost looks like I'm disrespecting the pipe because there's like this kind of pile of pipes on a shelf. And I do have racks. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, oh, I should take, I should accord them the respect that I truly feel for them. Um, but I'll just kind of paw through there like I did this morning and think, what do I want to smoke? What do I want to smoke today? What's my favorite pipe right now? And so uh, it, this happens to be a custom build. And uh, but but, yeah, I am not an expert. I just know what uh, Bill Unger has written. And I refer to his book a fair amount. And then what people will write into me like that guy in New York, um, you know, he'll make some comments and talk about some stuff. And it enlarges my knowledge of custom builds. But I, I certainly am no expert. Yeah, I'm when just an appreciator. When did the custom built company start? Well, uh, they started really manufacturing pipes uh, in Indianapolis in 1938. Although there certainly was a lead up to that, I'm sure. You know, imagine starting up a pipe manufacturing company. Gosh, you'd have to get machines together, you'd have to yeah. get a space together, you'd have to get briar. Um, he always, uh, Tracy Minster, who is from Nebraska, I am also from Nebraska originally, um, so maybe there's a sympathy there, um, always felt like Algerian briar was the best briar out there. So, and I'm sure, <laughs> you know, forest, imagine a briar forest, you know, right, a shrub field alongside the Mediterranean. I'm sure those are so gone yeah. by now, you know, and I heard the Israelis are, are uh, doing plantations of briar. Um, <laughs> so growing it in a controlled way, recognizing that the supply is diminishing 
And we all thought for a while there that pipe smoking was on its way out. And in fact, when I started, it felt like it was just these creaky old guys smoking pipes <laughs> and very few others, right? Um, and it was just, you just never saw guys smoking pipes. Um, my own grandfather on my mom's side, uh, he had some old Dunhills that she gave me. They're like Lilliputian pipes, you know? They're just so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's crazy those pipes they smoked back then. He, uh, so, uh, but, you know, he's gone. He was gone a long time ago. And so uh, it felt like it was a little thread of history that was uh, something that guys did together and had a masculine quality about it. And um, so, so it was this, this activity that, that had deeper meaning. And I still feel that way. Um, luckily, a lot of folks, men and women, have taken up the pipe and appreciate the multifaceted depth, you know, of uh, pipes, new pipes, uh, the expression in a piece of wood of beauty, functionality, and uh, a very personableness. You know, I mean, there are pipes that I go, oh my God, really? Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, Pipes Magazine, you know, um, the monthly or bi monthly, I forget. Um, I get it secondhand. Uh, some of those carvers just carve these most amazing, curvaceous, astonishing works of art, you know. Um, I am, like I say, I'm more into smoking a pipe, and the 40s, 50s, 60s um, style of men smoking pipes is what appeals to me. So a custom-built sort of encapsulates that for me. And and I have, uh, I have a number of K. Woody's and uh, Yellow Bowls and uh, other pipes from that era, but uh, I'll tell you, honestly, custom built is the epitome for me, is the pinnacle of that style. And it was a style that nobody knew was a style at the time, right? Um, but it, it sort of captures a period for me. And, and I really like that. I really like that aspect of it. When did uh, custom built stop producing pipes? Well, no, that's a question, isn't it? Um, okay. The... Tracy Menser seems to have lost control. And I'm again, I'm not an expert. I would have to like refer to Bill Unger's uh, Bible <laughs> on the topic. But uh, 46 seems to be when he uh, gave control over to other people. And then it was sold in the early 50s again, the company, meaning the stamps the trademarks, the, um, the business. And he had started, uh, then gotten into a pipe, which I've got a few of, uh, the doodler pipe, yeah, which is kind of a ventilated pipe, right? Um, very lightweight, kind of fragile feeling. Um, you know, it's supposed to smoke cooler 
Well, <laughs> I'll BS on that. Um, you know, I've, I've smoked them, and uh, I don't find they smoke any cooler. It's just kind of a gimmick. Uh, like with bicycles, you know, there's this basic geometry of what a bicycle is, two wheels and this double triangle frame and handlebars and the seat and pedals. And, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, you can refine elements of it, but it's it's pretty much the same product, even though people go crazy with that, too. Um, trying to come up with something different. Uh, it's when you think about it, it's kind of remarkable that Peterson and a number of Italian makers are still making basically the same pipes they were making in the teens, twenties, thirties, you know, the same shapes. Um, when I went to, uh, with my good friends, we went to, uh, Dublin and then went down to Sally Noggin and went through the uh, Peterson factory yeah. and oh my gosh what a uh, kind of a uh, a homemade operation that is you know there was uh, a delightful young woman with all these bowls maybe 15 bowls um, sort of clamped to this contraption that allowed them to all be clamped so she was spraying a finish on them and then she took a Bunsen burner and like Boosh, ignited them all <laughs> and they're all on fire you know that was part of the finish it was just this, this handmade thing it's like whoa that is so not osha approved you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh it was so so there's this whole historical vintage thing about pipes and honestly estate pipes um so any custom built you buy of course by definition is an estate pipe so yeah. uh because they just they aren't making them now and they stopped oh gosh when am i thinking maybe even as late as the early 90s there were that's when those stamps went quiet completely and it, they, the company had been sold numerous times yeah. pipe smoking was on the descent at that time you know and so who knows where those stamps are um it would be so interesting uh when at a few years ago at the chicago pipe show there were K. Woody pipes made in Italy, but uh, kind of big billiards. I don't know if you remember seeing those, Brian. No. Uh, somebody was peddling those, and they were K. Woody's. They didn't have the stinger. Thank God. Whenever I've gotten a K. Woody, I remove that if possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was an idea which I didn't really appreciate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, custom belts just exemplify an era for me. And I kind of dress that way myself. I like loose kind of service station type trousers, you know, held up with suspenders that are really comfortable and loose. And uh, I just kind of dress that vintage style myself. So, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, there's just something about the whole thing that just appeals to me. Yeah. And I think it does for a lot of people. You know, there's uh, that aspect of pipe smoking where it recalls, a time previous where values were a little different and um, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of folks get into pipe smoking to kind of reconnect with some of those elements and they don't, they, they aren't really thinking about it logically. They're not putting it into words and having a game plan about it, you know? Um, but it's, it's sort of this subconscious uh, reconnection to a time when, uh, things might have felt a little more honest, a little more real, a little less frantic. Uh, 
a little more uh, community value driven. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, probably a larger discussion. But and I would love to have that with somebody else that discussion and uh, perhaps we'll talk about that in a in a YouTube video coming up. Who knows? <laughs> you plant a go. seed. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. After four hundred and fifty some odd videos, you've still got more to do. But uh, Tom, we've run we've run out of time. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Chicago at the Pipe Show. Uh, but in <laughs> In the meantime, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? The one I'm smoking at the moment. And the one I've just for that pipe smoke. That's my favorite pipe. And what is your favorite tobacco? Mm, likewise. The same answer, although um, there was a... Now, see, my I'm, I'm out in the garden shed here because I don't smoke in my house. Um, and all the tobaccos are in the house. Uh, I do have a favorite tobacco, and it's a Balkan blend. And God darn it, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Canadian. Uh, it was sent to me by a doctor in the U.K., you know, who watched the video. And, and he said, here, I, I got to send you this tobacco that I think you'll like. And he did. From the UK, it came from Canada, from Ontario, wow. and he had picked it up somewhere. Right, I know, <laughs> and so, uh, and and it it really isn't even available anymore. But it was just such a creamy, mellow, smooth smoke. It was just flavorful. Oh, it was great stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, kind of whatever tobacco I'm smoking. Um, Balkan Supreme by Peter Stockaby is kind of my favorite. I bought a couple of five-pound bales back then <laughs> and the jars, I know. And uh, so they've been cellaring since like 2009. Wow. And I know when I open one of those, it's like ambrosia. It's, it's just so great. Yeah. <laughs> so um, any tobacco, I think, except aromatics, tend to cellar and improve with age. Yeah. What so. is your favorite drink? Drink, really? Yeah. I'm not I'm not a big uh, drinker. I came my family had a few drinkers in it and I and then and then I was going to be a journalist when I was in college at the University of Wyoming of all places. So I went across the street to the drive-in liquor store. You <laughs> learned <laughs> Uh, one uh, start of a semester, and I said, you know, I'm going to be a journalist, and journalists all drink, right? So so I picked up a fifth of black velvet, went, it was either a Saturday or Sunday night at the dorm. I went back to my room in the tallest building in Wyoming at the time, which was eight stories, and uh, <laughs> in the dorm, and I slugged down uh, maybe half that bottle. I got so freaking sick that I <laughs> Even like if somebody was at a party and they breathed on me, I about threw up, you know, that kind of aromatic quality that alcohol has. Oh, my God. So I just right now I rarely drink. I'll have a beer maybe. And then I fill it with water um, discreetly. And so the host comes by and says, hey, you need another beer? Oh, no, you're nope. fine. <laughs> and my bottle has water in it. And so I'm hydrating. And yeah, anyway, I'm not a drinker at all. I don't have a favorite drink. I don't. Mine is, um, mine is coffee. Coffee. I guess I would say so, too. I mean, Seattle is the coffee uh, epicenter 
one might argue, or not, but um, they like to think they are. Um, yeah. You could call it an epicenter. Yeah, it's so gray and cold up here, you know, <laughs> that coffee is just the absolutely perfect antidote for that. So, um, yeah, I guess coffee, too, although I'm pretty sensitive to caffeine. So I, I get creative with, like, rye barley beverages mixed with some decaf or something that gives me a nice, rich drink without a lot of caffeine. So, Ooh. yeah. Okay. Next question, Brian. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, a book. Yeah. I'm a reader. I just finished. I was over on the east side uh, helping a friend uh, over on the dry side of the mountains there. And uh, so he had this book called The Orchardist. And I forget the woman's name who wrote it. Oh, a magnificent book. So I thought... You know, I'm only here over here for a couple of days. I don't really have time to read this. So I cheated and I went and read the last like fifth of the book, started at the end and read back, you know, and it was just such a great read. It was so well written that I said, oh, I, I went back to the front of the book and started and read the rest of it. You know, it was just <laughs> it was so great. But I, I love reading. I love reading. Yeah, I would rather do that. Um, yeah. Even though I don't have a TV, I, I actually do not own a TV. Um, but I do go on YouTube and watch, you know, why airplanes blow up, um, Russian dash cam <laughs> videos, um, you know, crazy stuff like that. But uh, I'm not really addicted to um, the screen, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather read a book. And then the final question is? Do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Mm -hmm. no, that's interesting. Well, that's a thoughtful question. That takes yeah. a little thought, Brian. Um, <sighs> undoubtedly, I do, but I can't really come up with it at the moment. Just like uh, when we were in uh, Abisko, Sweden, north of the Arctic Circle uh, last year uh, and the year before. Uh, looking at the northern lights, smoking a pipe. Um, wow. Magical. Yeah, magical. Um, being in Sri Lanka on the beach, uh, looking out at the entire expanse of the Indian Ocean. Oh. Rolled in. Um, and even though it's 102 degrees and 103% humidity, <laughs> um, and uh, I was smoking a pipe, and I remember that, and it was just utterly enjoyable. So, yeah, I think uh, smoking in interesting places, um, yeah, wow. is, is one of my favorite things to do. Well. <laughs> Tom, thank you very much for coming on and uh, and hanging out with me and uh, check out his uh, YouTube channel. It's NW Pipe Smoker. You know, lots of great stuff there. Hey, thanks, Brian. Thank you for thinking of me um, and letting me share a smoke with you. <laughs> and I'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. 
It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection, or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. And I am back, and let me tell you, I'm looking forward to spending some time at the uh, Chicago Pipe Show with Tom. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you know what? This year, my Chicago show trip will be a little truncated because I'll be uh, heading to, uh, I'll be in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina on that Friday afternoon to watch my son get his master's degree. So bouncing back and forth a little bit is looking like it. Uh, I will miss the Friday pre-show. All right, for music, I'm feeling the blues, and it's time to get the uh, mojo going. And who else? Who else better than uh, Gatemouth Brown? So here we go.
conversation great music boy now all i need is a great drink mail call gather around everyone in the mailbag from last week uh craig in the corn writes regarding this week's rant about pipe smokers who don't understand what a podcast is or how to listen to them it's not much of a surprise to me at le- at last year's chicagoland pipe and tobacco show there was a contest for one of ten gift cards to an online tobacco retailer. It required only that you take a photo with your smartphone and to share it on Instagram with a hashtag. There were only 14 entries. 14. Why? Although we pipe smokers as a group have embraced the internet, we haven't really embraced technology. According to the contest sponsor, most folks reported that they didn't use Instagram. For those with an Amazon Echo or Dot, I've been playing the show by saying, um, I won't say her name now, uh, but it's that lady's name, and it says, play the Pipes Magazine podcast, which she plays using the tune-in radio skill. Uh, That's easy enough. I can tell you, Brian, that I regularly recommend your fine podcast, including The Goldmine, which is your archive of shows. Although I've cheated and listened to several especially intriguing episodes out of order, I'm listening to every episode and am only on number 66, so there's still plenty to listen to and learn from. I hear other CPCC members talking it up, too, and not just those who have been guests on the show. I enjoy and regularly listen to the Country Squire podcast, too. It was good to hear you give them a boost, uh, too. It's not a zero-sum game. I'm sorry that Oompal podcast seems to have ended. I enjoyed when you and Oli Sylvester appeared on each other's show. I thought it was classy. Your, your listeners would really enjoy listening to his interview of you, and there's a link in there. Uh, you came dangerously close to revealing your favorite tobacco during that interview. I was uh, grateful to have uh, authoritative and uh, trusted. I'm grateful to have authoritative and trusted sources of information on the topic of McClellan last week. Thanks again for your great work on this valuable resource. Uh, you're welcome, and I will say that you know what? A rising tide rises all boats. So, yeah, listen to uh, Country Squire. Listen to this show listen to the uh to the backlog of umpal and Oli stuff and uh share them all uh casey ghost says i don't know why it is that we can't duplicate tobaccos other than the lack of proper ingredients i can understand syrian latakia being unavailable it's gone and there is nothing that really replaces it cyprian latakia is good but not the same the particular red virginia that mcclellan uses is gone and won't be replaced like they say things happen 
What happened to three nuns is just a mystery. Why would the original maker sell the recipe without the perique in it? Makes no sense. All you can do is move on. Jim Brown was a good guest, though. He didn't get to talk much about his pipes. Seemed like a good guy. Prices are very good. Uh, I talked to the guys uh, the guys in our pipe club every Saturday and asked who listened to the show, and invariably the answer is none of them did. I guess they think they don't need to. <laughs> I know they are not busy. Yeah, it's just a barrier. Uh, and then finally, Crash the Gray says, Thank you for having Jim on. He's a good friend and my pipe-making mentor. I can attest to his eclectic musical tastes when in the shop. It's interesting to say the least. This interview seemed like a casual conversation between friends, which was nice. Briar Nation always appreciates a shout-out, too. I try to spread the word about the podcast within and even outside of the community as much as possible without seeming like I'm paid to advertise. <laughs> I sincerely hope the show continues to grow. It's been some of the best nearly 300 hours of my pipe-smoking time. The music selection was a nice change and interesting with a nice little tie to pipe-smoking. Hear you next week. Uh, you are welcome. Yeah, that, that's cool. 300 hours of pipe smoking time. There you go. All right, in uh, just a minute, a quick rant. Cowboy. Cowboy. Regarding last week's rant, you know what? I'm sorry. I couldn't, if if I knew any information, I couldn't say it until it was ready to be said. And, you know, there's a little, sometimes there's a little bit of delay because, you know, we broadcast once a week. Um, but my main target of that rant was the people that claim to be interested in pipes and pipe tobacco and they don't listen to a show like this. Everybody has an hour or two half hours in the car or time where they're working on something around the house. Every one of us pipe smokers has time to put this on and listen to it in the background. And it's not something that requires that you sit there and study with it, but you can listen to it while you're commuting or uh, listen to it while, you know, like I do with some of my podcasts, listen to it while I'm working on emails or whatever I'm doing or paying bills, whatever happens to be. There is plenty of time in the week to listen to it, and if you really care about pipes and pipe smoking, then you're going to get your information and your background and your knowledge from podcasts that are put out by people that know exactly what they're talking about, and you're going to read forum articles and stuff like that by people that know what they're talking about and not get it from the rumor mill that can run rampant all over Twitter, Facebook, and uh, sometimes the forums themselves. So that was my point. You know, everybody make sure and download all these podcasts that are out here and keep us all going and keep us happy and, you know, producing more shows. So the more you guys listen, the more we produce. So that was the main point of it. And uh, you know what? You know, hey, just keep sharing and keep sharing on uh, forums and Facebook groups and Twitters and Instagrams. And if you're on the Snapchat, do that too. All right, I want to thank Tom for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Wish you all the uh, happiest of uh, St. Patrick's Day. Even though I'll be gone, you'll get two new shows uh, 
sitting there in your inbox waiting for you. So until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy This nutritious breakfast. They're like magically delicious.